if you are just you, you're stagnant and you can't make change quickly, um, you have to be able to ebb and flow as the business grows. And you can make a mistake and you just have to say, what did I learn from this mistake? And let's keep moving ahead. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show. I'm Dave Gearhart, and today I'm joined by Gabby Cohen. She's the VP of PR and Brand Strategy at SoulCycle, which has evolved into one of the fastest growing fitness sensations there is today. Gabby, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So anybody out there that's not familiar with SoulCycle, how do you talk about the business and what do you guys do? SoulCycle is a full body indoor cycling workout um, that is fun. SoulCycle was created to bring joy to movement and make people look forward to exercise versus uh, check it off something on their to-do list. Um, so walk, walk people through, so I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with spin, but like what's what's really different about SoulCycle? You walk into a SoulCycle class, what, how do you know you're in SoulCycle? SoulCycle really is a curated experience. So you walk in, um, we've thought of everything from the smell when you walk into the room to the bright white environment, really creating a chic, curated environment. We have complimentary hair ties and gum, and so there's nothing that you would need that's not there for you. We have staff that knows your name, that knows how you like your water temperature, that knows your shoe size. It's all about a really personal experience, and that's even before you get into the room. And then the workout is really a journey. We're taking you on a full body workout that's fun. We call it a cardio party on a bike. So you have that 45 minutes to disconnect, to you know, close your eyes and really work out your body and your mind and you leave feeling refreshed. We always say you come in um, and leave stronger than when you arrive. So if, if that wasn't a good enough pitch, I think you had me at the uh, soul cycle gum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that a lot of people like to hear when we do this podcast is um, in the background on the kind of the founding story. So give us a little background on how the company got started, and specifically, I know there was a lot of things that um, you know the two founders had to do, like manually, like fold their own towels and you know go door to door. So, so tell that story for everybody. SoulCycle was really created out of a need, as I think so many great products are, in that they could not find a workout that was efficient, that was fun, that they could sign up for at home versus going to their gym 90 minutes before the class, and where people felt like there was a personal connection to to from the staff to the riders. So Julie and Elizabeth sat down, wrote down their business plan on a napkin, and quickly executed. And I think what they did that was so different is that they were everything that they did, they, they touched the business in every way. So yeah, they worked the front desk for the first several years. They folded the towels for the first several years. It was really about learning who their riders were and really being able to deliver an experience to them that was personal. In the beginning, there was no money for marketing. So they took the small money that they had and bought t-shirts in the hopes that people would wear them and ask them about SoulCycle. The so, marketing was really knocking on doors and giving people free passes to come in and try a class because at the time, riders didn't understand why they would have to spend $34 on a class that they got for free at their gym. Right, and so and that, that's something that they, that they were cool with. Like maybe, you know, give, give advice to some, some, you know, executives or just entrepreneurs in general. Like it's, for them, it was okay to, to give away that first experience because they were so confident that they knew it was going to deliver on something awesome. For sure. I think in the, 
for, for business owners, I think you always have to be super confident in your product. And if it's an experiential product, it's really about getting people in the doors. Um, or if it's a, a product that they have to use, you, you certainly, I think it's much, it's a much more powerful to give them something first versus give a discount um, in that then they really value what they pay for afterwards. So I know you can't really get into, um, you know, revenue type numbers, but just give us a sense of how big uh, SoulCycle is today. We're, we're 39 studios. So when I joined the business, um, we were at four studios and we've scaled to 39 over the last five years. How, um, how important has the mission that you kind of talked about in the, in the beginning and, and brand, how, how important has that been to your growth? We just talked to uh, Neil, one of the founders of Warby Parker, and it seems like there's more of these brands that are popping up that, you know, the ones that really have the loyal raving fans are the ones that have a mission around that. So how important do you think that's been to SoulCycle's growth? It's incredibly important. I think you really need to stay true to your brand. And the only way to stay true to the brand is to really understand what that brand is. And that is what we do all the time is it's really about bringing soul to the people and bringing joy to people through movement and really understanding that every single day. And then... How do you, so you, you have these like crazy raving loyal fans that, you know, if you, if you go to your Facebook page, you go to your Instagram account and you see them, um, how do you enable those people to, to share word of mouth or is it just something that they love so much they feel like they want to get out there and be an advocate for you guys? We're a community of riders and that really is what happens inside the room. So I think that also ha- replicate get, gets replicated outside of the room. So people really do want to share their experience or they feel so high on endorphins and feel so good about themselves that they want to talk about it. As a user, I feel better about myself um, than any time of the day that I do after a ride. And you just it makes you feel good. And when you feel good and you're doing something that feels good, you want to share it. How, how do you – so I, I know like when you guys launch in a new city – um, you kind of go out and you find a bunch of people who know about SoulCycle. Talk about what they do and how they help spread the word when you're launching in a new market. For us, it's really, um, we call them soul ambassadors. Um, but the, the best way to spread the word of SoulCycle is to have used it. So we really try to find um, our super users in those markets and help them spread the soul for us. Invite their friends in for complimentary classes, host classes for their friends. Um, you know, we do a lot of charitable work, so we'll host several charity rides. Because for us, the moment you come in and experience it, you'll want to come back. But it's just getting people through those doors and on the bikes. What What have you learned about marketing since you since you've been there? Like, you know, I look at you guys, and you're a workout class. Um, people aren't really posting while they're riding on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but you have you know, crazy fan bases on all of those channels. Um, and it's really hardly ever a picture of somebody like actually working out. So what, you know, how do you think about those things? And maybe what, what marketing and branding lessons have you learned? Can you repeat the question? I'm so sorry. It's all right. Um, just thinking about, you know, thinking about SoulCycle from a marketing perspective, you know, you have all these fans and followers on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But if you, if you look at all that content, it's rarely ever somebody actually working out. Right. So, you know, where does that strategy come from? And maybe just talk about some of the marketing lessons that you've learned from your time at SoulCycle. You know, I think it's not always just about the workout. For us, that is sometimes a byproduct. And it's really the fact that you are doing something that's good for you and that feels good. And um, you're not always, we also ride in the dark. So there's something very secret about that experience that is very personal. So often the things that we we share or the things that we talk about are sort of the feeling that you get from that room, but not necessarily replicating that experience in the room. Right, so you see a lot of like, you know, healthy food and activity yep. outside, I got you. And there's also from a, from a 
you know, marketing perspective and just a content perspective, our instructors are like healthy coaches and they are our, you know, quote unquote celebrities. People want to know what they're eating or right. want to know what they're doing outside of SoulCycle. And that is often what they're most interested in are our, you know, our users. And I think for anything that we can do to help, um, you know, all of our instructors are very, they're very humanized and very connected to our riders, but any way that we can all connect outside of the class, outside of the classroom is, um, you know, helps yeah. people connect do, to the brand when they're not there. Do, is it like people fought like, do people go to SoulCycle just for the class or are you starting to notice that like it's it's this particular trainer, for example, or this particular instructor that people kind of flock to? It really depends. Some people are super loyal to um, particular instructors and some just go for class time. Um, I'd say there it's 50-50. How do you, how do you, like, so you went from 39, you have 39 locations today, there was four, you know, it, it's it's kind of easy to nail brand when you have a small number of locations and employees, you guys, you know, the, the founding team and the execs there can kind of touch everything. How do you, as that starts to scale, how do you scale like the brand and the community feeling that you had when you were four locations now all the way up to 39? Like, is it, is it a training thing? Training. It's all through training. Um, for us, we all of our um, front desk staff go through a very robust hospitality training, and then we do professional trainings. And for us, that is the only way to scale is through is through training. Where, where did that come from? Like, did you how did how did you realize like that's what needed to happen? You know, I think we knew that for us, it's about the experience is all about the personal connection. Um, and if we've all had you know really bad customer experience, customer. Um, service experiences yeah. and so we knew that that could differentiate us mm-hmm. and um, as users that is really was really important to us as, as the business grew and that was something we knew we had to focus on so we one of our first employees runs our hospitality and training program and teaches not only about the hospitality and training but the history of the brand um, and, and for us it's all about like it's about being nice to people. Right. <laughs> it's really important and it sounds so simple, but if you're nice to people, they'll want to come back. Even if they have a bad experience, if you treat it with care and you're nice to each other, it, it, you pay it forward. And and to, to your earlier point, just about like, you know, people sharing and spreading the word. It's like when you have the opportunity, you know, a lot of businesses can be afraid of social media, but um, when you have the opportunity to take an experience that might have been negative and turn it into something positive in a public forum, that can go a long way in actually growing the brand too. I mean, to be honest, that is like one of the, we often say I, I worked in hotels prior to this, and if you have a bad experience but it's handled well, you're 10 times as more likely to return. Right, and if you go to, you just think about like you're looking up a restaurant on Yelp and you see a bad review, but then you see the owner comment, you know, commented on it and was like, hey, come back, I'll give you $10 off, we'll hook you up with a good meal. Like that goes such a long way. Absolutely. So you have PR in your title. Um, we haven't talked a lot about PR on this podcast, so I kind of want to get what your get your thoughts of that. Like, how do you um, at Soul Cycle think about PR as an extension of marketing? It's for us. It's very important, and I think it um, for many small brands it is because paid advertising is really expensive. Um, as are some, you know, potential mark, marketing initiatives. So PR, um, especially if you can find a great a way to do it in house. Um, helps to grow the brand in a, in a you know an easy way, especially if you're doing it smart. And that's really what we've done from the beginning is have a heavy focus on PR. Um, people are much more apt to um, to try SoulCycle if they read about it in a magazine versus if they saw it in an advertisement. Um, 
And I always say that if you have someone who's an in-house employee, not only do you get someone who can do PR for you, but then they always end up doing so much more than that because you have another person in the business. Right. And it's somebody that, you know, it's like you're always going to know the brand better when you're inside the four walls. Without question. And it's, a, it's having another adult at the table with you. Right. And, you know, I think there's great reasons for outsourcing PR um, in that you always have much larger teams, but there's also great reasons for doing it in-house. And I think from a small business perspective, if you can do it in-house for a growing business, it always helps because you just have someone else who can, you know, sweep the floors, God forbid, if you need them to. Yeah. So, so maybe let, let, let's try to give a little bit of advice to execs out there, you know, that are, that are looking to do more a little bit more on the PR side. So obviously like, you know, your soul cycle, people know who you are now. You have celebrities at your classes. Like it's a little bit easier to pitch reporters and get people to pay attention to you guys. Um, what would you, what piece of advice would you give to somebody who, you know, has an existing business, they're, they're doing well, but they want to start getting out there and getting a little bit more coverage and some of that, you know, earned media. I, you know, I think it's, it's really understanding what your goals are. Very clear definition of goals. So not not just getting press for the sake of having press. Correct. The why behind it. Yep. Is it that there is a, you know, you're going to drive traffic for a spe- specific initiative? Is it strictly brand awareness? Is it that you want to, you know, raise venture capital money so you're really going to focus on, you know, profiles about the business owners? I think it's very, it's, it's very hard to do PR when you just say, we want people to talk about us. Be specific with your goals and then you can focus those goals um, to, you know, support your business initiatives. How do you, how do you measure PR? Like, how do you know if you're doing a good job? There's a few different ways. I mean, obviously you can look specifically at, you know, the value of PR and and that's calculated through, you know, we use reporting systems, but you can always calculate it based on the size of the story um, and how many eyeballs have seen it. Um, In addition, um, if you have a product, you can say, we knew this story came out and we got 10 phone calls or, you know, we had a, uh, an online story and then we sold 15 more products. Think if there's any way that you can, um, and sometimes with brand awareness, it's very hard to calculate it. Um, and you just have to, you know, be very diligent about what you're pitching and then if there's a way to track it. And if not, you know, if it's just brand awareness, you just, you start to notice. I always ask customers the thing to do is, how did you hear about us? Right. And it's, it's funny that this has actually come up a lot and it's like, it seems so simple, but just asking the basic like, hey, where did you hear about us can go a really long way in figuring out where your customers are coming from. We, we, I ask it all the time. <laughs> like, like you see somebody out and they're like, oh, I just went to SoulCycle. How'd you get there? Yep. Always. I, I'll see people. I work the front desk often and I will say, how'd you hear about us? And then if you hear something come up a lot, you're like, oh, that article in the New York Times. Okay. Well, Absolutely. That's, yeah. Nice pat on PR's back right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever had like a, a, a negative experience? Like has there been something, you know, bad written about you? And how do you handle that from a PR perspective? Do you reach out to the reporter and try to get that fixed? Like how do you, how do you deal with that? You know, it really depends. I think each situation, it, it, it's all, it's always can be different. Um, we, sometimes you'll call the reporter and say, this is actually not what happened. Um, can you please modify that? Or sometimes it'll be, um, you know, a celebrity that's talked about that you didn't want out there and you'll try to manage, manage any damage control. Right. And sometimes you really need to work on crisis communications. And that's a, that's an art that we, um, that, that you learn in PR. And I think it's, um, with, especially with a crisis, you want to say, what's the, what's the end game, right? What do we want to come out of this? And then how do we get there as fast as we can? All right. So I, I want to wrap up by asking you this. So Obviously, this will be this will be hard to do. But you know, looking back, if you had to boil down SoulCycle's crazy growth to one or two things, 
Um, what would it be? And maybe with the lens of like, if you were going to go start your own company tomorrow, what, what one or two things would you take that you learned at SoulCycle to start that business? I think the first is talk to your customers. They know your business best. Just how, how do you do that though? Like after a class, ask them, like Absolutely. send out a survey. I did it today. Tell me about it. I did it today. I said, how was class? Did you like it? What did you think? Was, did, what did, you, did you enjoy class? I, I absolutely did it today. And what's number two? Um, and be nimble. Make change. If something's not working, be able to change it. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? So set yourself up for, with a process that you can be nimble? Absolutely. There, I think it, especially for small businesses, if you are just, you, you're stagnant and you can't make change quickly, um, you have to be able to ebb and flow as the business grows. And you can make a mistake and you just have to say, what did I learn from this mistake? And let's keep moving ahead. Awesome. Gabby, thanks so much uh, for coming on the podcast. It was really great to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. If you enjoyed it, uh, it'd be awesome if you could leave us a quick review on iTunes. Also, if you want to chat about this episode, uh, share some feedback or even suggest future guests, we set up a discussion group uh, just for this podcast at inbound.org growth. That's inbound.org growth. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon.